Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. Got a great and interesting uh, lesson in the sixth Torah study uh, of the Jewish uh, Torah portion calendar year. This is out of Genesis 25 through Genesis 28, and it's all about uh, Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau, and uh, uh, there's so much uh, to get to. Uh, we can't get to it all, so I kind of tried to narrow it down. Uh, was Jacob right to take Esau's blessing? Was Jacob right to take Esau's blessing? And uh, it's an interesting study because growing up in uh, Christian uh, Sunday school and things of this nature, uh, we were always taught that Jacob was the deceiver. Uh, the subplanner, and uh, there is an element of that going on, but is there more to the story? Uh, and understanding some of this uh, just helps us to better appreciate uh, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, uh, it uh, helps us uh, to broaden our uh, understanding of the Bible beyond the Hanna-Barbera story. <laughs> Not everybody knows who Hanna-Barbera is. <laughs> Travis, you know Hanna-Barbera? Yeah, beyond my time. That's right. Okay. Well, then uh, uh, that uh, doesn't work for you, but for many of us, we remember Hanna-Barbera. And so one of the questions I've always had with this story is how could Jacob, Hebrew, it's Yitzhak, Yitzhak. How could Jacob and Rebekah, Rivka, uh, do something so underhanded by stealing the blessing of the firstborn that was due to Esau? I mean, here they're supposed to be Bible heroes, right? And yet they're doing something so uh, devious and underhanded. How do they become Bible heroes? And, uh, and so that never gets answered uh, in Christendom, but uh, Jewish scholars have gone in after uh, 3,400 years of study, they kind of have it figured out. And so my aim today is to go back and reconstruct the story and add some truth to it to give us a better understanding of what they were doing and what God is doing uh, uh, in this story between Jacob and Esau. So much of the dilemma of the story revolves around questions like, how could Jacob even think it was remotely right? To take Esau's blessing. How could he think it was right to deceive his father? Right? He dressed up like Esau. He, uh, the, uh, the voice is Jacob, but the, <laughs> the skin is Esau. What's going on here? And what about Rivka, Rebecca? How does she think all of this is kosher? And so it raises all these uh, moral questions uh, that we want to get into today in that uh, can biblically righteous people be involved in deceitful behavior and still be considered Bible heroes? Or is there something going on here that we haven't fully understood? So this is a, a type of Bible mystery. There's no dinner with this. There's a dinner on Friday night. Uh, <laughs> But as for today, it's a, a Bible mystery, it's mystery theater. And uh, in reality, what we're going to see here is that Rivka was right to propose what she did. And Jacob was right to do it. And here's why. From the very beginning, Rebecca, Rivka knew it would be Jacob, not Esau, who God had called to carry on the covenant. 
Jacob was called to carry on the mission of Abraham. And, uh, uh, and so she knew this um, uh, from the very beginning, even before Jacob and Esau were born. If you go with me to Genesis 25 and verse 21, you see an interesting scripture here. I'll read from the complete Jewish Bible. Yitzhak prayed to Adonai on behalf of his wife because she was childless. That seemed to run in the family. Uh, Adonai heeded his prayer and Rivka became pregnant. And the children fought, this is important, the children fought with each other inside of her so much that she said, if it's going to be like this, why go on living? So she went to inquire of Adonai who answered her, there are two nations in your womb. From birth, there, uh, they will be two rival peoples. And one of these peoples will be stronger than the other, but the older will serve the younger. And the older was Esau. He came out first. And you might remember, uh, if you read your Bible at all, that it was Jacob that clutched onto his heel. And uh, he he knew from even as a child, even in the womb, you know, I have a destiny and Esau's not going to take that from me. And so he grabbed onto his heel and they were both birthed with uh, Jacob holding on to Esau's heel. Amen. Amen. We won't get into uh, uh, why uh, we should oppose abortion, but if, if they can have this kind of destiny in the womb, there's something to be said about life before birth. And it just pains me that many leaders in our society that have a strong voice are fine with having late-term and post-birth abortion. How can you not be against post-post-birth abortion? <laughs> it's a, a mental gymnastics to get to that moral place. You, you had to do some crazy thinking to get to that point. Uh, thank God we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, when, when God tells Rivka, there are two nations in your womb, it brings up a, a strand of teaching. Maybe we'll get to that next year. Uh, but it really is one of my favorite teachings. Uh, it's a, a mystery, in, in effect, in that who are the two nations that God's talking about. And uh, through the years, off and on, I've touched on it. I think we did a lesson on this back in 2015 or 16. Maybe we'll have to uh, dust off the old uh, notes and resurrect that teaching. But uh, there's a whole strand of teaching about who are the two nations. In a nutshell, Jacob has a Jewish heart. He loved to study Torah. He had a calling on his life from birth to carry on the spiritual mission of Abraham and Isaac. He fathers 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And from his lineage comes the Messiah. All right. So, yeah, that's going on. That's, so there's a nation of Judaism in his womb. The Jewish people are in Rivka's womb. Esau, on the other hand, despises his birthright. And even though he's the eldest son, he should, uh, 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 you know, uh, he, he despised his birthright, the one that he should have embraced. But he rejects his Jewishness. He rejects the Torah. He, had, he rejects the teachings of Abraham and Isaac. And, you know, and so what nation does he represent in Rivka's womb? If Jacob represents Judaism, Esau 
represents Christianity, who traditional Christianity, after the last apostles died, and all of a sudden Gentiles began to outnumber the Jews, and they moved the headquarters of our faith from Jerusalem to Europe, all of a sudden there was a rewriting of Bible history. And uh, what, what you, we're not often taught this, you know, uh, because the scripture says that the, the stronger will rule over the, uh, uh, the weaker. Esau will rule over Jacob, right? And you've seen that in Christianity, right? The Roman Empire. Now, how do we know Christianity, Esau is Rome and Rome is Christ? Because uh, it was the Edomites who settled Rome. The Edomites founded Rome. Okay? And who are the Edomites? Esau's descendants. And so all of that is at work. Jacob is Israel. Esau is Christianity. These are, we're both from the same DNA. Yeah? They're twins. <laughs> right? Both have Jewish DNA. And yet, one despises their spiritual heritage, their spiritual lineage, and that's been Christianity. Now, the good news is, is God's always had a remnant. There's always been the Cory Ten Booms, <laughs> right? There's always been Christians who love Israel and love the Jewish people and understand that uh, we uh, as Christians haven't replaced Israel, but that we're grafted in. Romans 11, we're grafted in to Israel, and that's what our church represents. We're not trying to denounce Judaism. We're not trying to keep a, a wall of division. If you look at uh, Ephesians 2.14, Jesus came to break down the wall of division between Jew and Christian. Amen. And yet... Christians have been for centuries, millenniums, been building the wall and trying to keep the wall as high as it can possibly be. Uh, and yet in the last days, God says, there'll be people that will, be, uh, 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 risen, that will rise up and make a stand for the Jewish people, for Israel, and that's you and I. Amen. Amen. Do you, who believes that this morning? Say amen. amen. All right, so that's, that was just parenthetical. <laughs> Back to the original theme for today. How could such a deception like the stealing of a blessing of the firstborn ever happen with righteous people calling the shots? And so uh, let's dig into some of the uh, original Jewish teaching on this. One of my favorite uh, teachers is the late, great Rabbi Jonathan Sachs. Uh, if you want to study the Jewishness of the Bible, read Rabbi Sachs, a brilliant man who's gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, but he suggests uh, that one of the reasons that Rivka devises this plan for Yitzhak to deceive daddy uh, was that she never confided with Isaac in the first place. Right? She's walking around knowing, man, there is something big a-brewing here. And yet she never consults with Isaac. Yitzhak, guess what God just told me? And so it's this lack of communication between husband and wife that led to uh, like a distrust. If, if, mom, if husband and wife aren't communicating in a godly way, not yelling at each other, <clears throat> which I'm guilty of that. <laughs> guilty! <clears throat> not in a long, long time though, not since last week. 
No, very early on, back in the 80s, we went through some heavy-duty times. Because you're learning how to get the mind of Christ, the mind of God, and that old mind that was uh, sown all the worldly thinking and all the bad examples and all of this is and that is going on. And there's this, you're, you're trying to work out your salvation between two competing ideologies. The world's ideology and the mind of Christ ideology. Yeah, and so... That can lead to some very uncomfortable, unhealthy times. But you just have to uh, throw yourself on the mercy of the court. Heaven's court is on your side. And heaven wants you to love your wife. uh, And heaven wants wife for you to love your husband. and, uh, And despite whatever emotions and whatever gyrations are going on that make you act out and blow a gasket and do this or do that, all of that you have to understand is not God's plan. God, help me to have the mind of Christ to make the decisions to communicate with my spouse so that we live happily ever after. Amen. 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 Had they taken the time just maybe to slow down, not be so impulsive, so emotional. I want to be right! (laughs) Would you rather be right or would you rather have a happy marriage? (laughs) but had they shared uh, with one another in a godly way they might have avoided a lot of heartbreak right because the family breaks up right Esau hates Jacob Jacob has to flee and he's in exile for 22 years away from Israel away from his family and it's that kind of family breakup and dysfunction that you can trace all the way back to Rivka say something Husband, be willing to listen to what she has to say. Amen. And so, look, they both love God. Isaac loves God. Rivka loves God. They love each other, right? But they let the devil come in, and whether they, how much they knew or didn't know, I guess when we get to heaven, we can sit down and say, Isaac, Rivka, tell me that story and what was really going <laughs> But you can't let distrust and dishonesty and deception be the thing that motivates your relationships. All right? Because all of that just leads to dysfunction. It leads to exile, which in many cases is divorce. All right? So, look, uh, today we're not here to uh, uh, study on marriage counseling. Uh, But there is a Bible lesson there. That God wants everybody to experience His best. Yeah? And part of his best is being able to communicate with patience and goodness and kindness and long-suffering until you all come to this is the mind of Christ. Honey, it's not about what I want. It's about what Christ wants. Let's be Christ-centered. And that cuts both ways. So may uh, we release over all of our relationships, especially going into the holidays, a peacefulness, a joyfulness, a blessing, a willingness to listen. That's why God gave us two of these and only one of these, so that we would listen twice as much as we (laughs) talk. Amen. Amen. All right. So Jacob and Esau begin life with conflict. Esau was the elder, Jacob was the younger. And according to God's prophecy, it's Jacob who would emerge as the spiritual leader. And what's so interesting here is that the father, Isaac, Yitzhak, had already lived through an almost identical situation between him and Ishmael. There was a competition for the blessing of Abraham. And who would lead the family? 
And it was finally Sarah that spoke up and God said, you listen to her. <laughs> listen to your wife, Abraham. Hey, but I'm in charge here. No, it's a co-equal branch of government. <laughs> right? Yeah, so Isaac has lived through this with his stepbrother. And now history's repeating itself. And this is one of the messages, and if you read pastors' books on like free at last and ten curses that block the blessing, you'll realize a little bit more about why God brought you to new beginnings to understand how family curses get passed down. Like father, like son. Like mother, like daughter. And that can be a good thing, but oftentimes it's a bad thing because we replicate some of the example even if we don't realize it. And a curse is something spiritual and oftentimes it's not discerned, but you're yoked to a spiritual force, a negative force that's taking you in the wrong direction. And because you're yoked to it, it's hard to write the course. And that's what's going on here. And so there's this struggle in the womb. And even though they have the same DNA and they're, they're both hearing the same Torah, uh, they're both trained up, they're both sitting on Abraham's knee as it were, they both had an equal opportunity to embrace the family mission. E- Esau didn't embrace the family mission. And Jacob did. And Rivka knew this. And so when push came to shove, she took matters into her own hands. And we're going to find out here in a moment, even though she didn't understand all that was going on because of a lack of communication. What we have here is a failure to communicate. Right? But, but Rivka knew some things. She saw everything in front of her. She, she knew what kind of person Esau was because she lived with Laban. Laban is her brother. Rivka's brother, Rebecca's brother, is none other than deceptive, cheating, dishonest Laban. Who later on in the next Torah study, he, he cheats Jacob, kind of, you, you kind of did something, so something's going to get done to you. You reaped what you sow in Jacob with the whole marriage thing between, okay, I'm going to work seven years and take Rebecca, and then all of a sudden it's Leah? I'm not in love with Leah! <laughs> right? But she knew about Esau. And some of the Jewish teaching suggests that Esau's nature was similar to none other than Nimrod. Yeah? They're both described as hunters. But in uh, in a spiritual sense, they were hunting people. Right? They're trying to disrupt people's spiritual life. We see that in America today. There's people that, uh, and this is, they hunt people with their words. They are slick. They can speak things. They can define things and make it sound all so wonderful. All the while, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. Motivated by who? The father of all lies. And a liar uh, tries to tell lies in a way that they don't get caught. So they're con men. Right? They're influential. They're highly persuasive. Have you ever been caught in a con? It ain't pretty because, man, everything seems so great. And then it turns out it was a pyramid scheme. (laughs) Or something of that nature. And so Esau... Uh, pretended to have values he didn't have. And Isaac, uh, many, well, does Isaac know that he doesn't have these values? What's going on with Isaac here? So Rivka understands deception, understands reckless behavior. She's seen it her whole life. 
She, she saw what Esau uh, did when it came to despising his birthright. She knew all about it. It wasn't like they didn't know or she didn't know about uh, Esau selling Jacob the birthright for a bowl of soup. He didn't value it. Look, here's the thing, folks. We better value our spiritual birthright. You better value your salvation. And you better make your salvation more important than going to the mall or ordering from Amazon. (laughs) Right? Which, that's fun, and I'll be at the mall for Christmas, and (laughs) I don't mind all of that. We want to have nice things. There's nothing wrong with all of that. But uh, we're not doing all of, we're not living our lives to acquire more things. He or she that dies with the most toys doesn't necessarily win. You can be rich, but are you rich towards God? And in these last days, as the dividing line becomes so much clearer, as we feel the birth pangs, what side are you on and are you willing to stand up and say, no, I'm on this side. I'm on the side of God. I have the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ, the Word of God says, I shouldn't be involved and approve of all these things. In fact, I'm willing to register a protest about some of the things that I know are anti-God. Because if we just sit back and be quiet, we'll be like sheep led to the slaughter. I'm telling you. You see it happening now in so many things, and I won't get into all the politics of it, but uh, who died and left Joe Biden God? (laughs) Oops, did I just say that? Could we edit that, please? I'm not wanting to be political. All right. Let's kind of reset here. Get rid of that soapbox there. All right. So Rivka knows better than anybody, you can't despise your birthright and be the guardian of the Abrahamic covenant. You're next in the seed of the line of Abraham. And if you're not going to love the Torah and love Jehovah and love the things of God and carry on the duties... Of what that means. Christians need to have a sense of duty. Well, I just come to church and I just want to lay low and I just don't want to stir up anything. And maybe that can work and, uh, and it should work in many situations. But when you are attacked, when your religion is being shut down as non essential and people don't care, We need to, I care about that. And I want to elect leaders that care about that. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel and I'm not ashamed to say so. Well, what if I get canceled? See a lot of people right now standing up for different things that they see that the government is doing. They want us to be one nation, not under God, one nation under government. And we're saying, uh-uh, no. I don't want leaders that worship at the altar of government. I want leaders that have the mind of God. That, that respect the Bible, that respect my faith. Don't tell me my tax dollars need to go to fund something that I don't believe in. And on and on and on. I mean, we get, there's a pretty big laundry list. It all came out of the You talk about coming out of the closet. It came out of the closet all of a sudden in the last uh, 12 months. Everything that was kind of in the closet is now out in the open. Who will you believe? Whose side will you say, I'm on this side. I don't agree with that. Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? Faith in what? 
Faith in God, not faith in government. Now, we uh, want government to support our uh, life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. We don't want government to define what that is and force us into a corner and saying, you either do it my way, which is anti-Christ, or you do it your way and we will punish you for it. Eh, you get into a little bit of a, 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 a rock and a hard place there. Oh my gosh. So anyways, with Jacob and Esau, was it right? Well, let's just say this. If you had two kids, one who could care less about the family and all the family treasures and all the family heirlooms, and then you had a second child who just cherished all the family history, all the family heirlooms, everything that you've collected through uh, your family. Uh, who do you give that to in your will? Do you give all the heirlooms and all the treasures that you've accumulated that have the memories and mean so much to you? As a, do you give those to the one that doesn't care? Or do you bequeath those things to the one that does care? It's just too bad that they both don't care. But that's not what we're dealing with. One could care less and the other cared about it uh, uh, more than you can imagine. So, Rivka, there's flaws in this young man. And... The flaws in Esau's character are even reflected in his name. The name Esau has the same Hebrew letters as uh, the Hebrew word that means to be made complete. To be made complete. What does this mean? It means that Esau was the kind of man that felt that he was complete. All right? That in his own eyes, anything that he did is right. I have no need to self examine myself, to be self aware, to worry about self improvement. I'm already perfect. And it's funny because in, in Hebrew, there's this numerology thing, gematria, where letters equal numbers. And the numerical value of Esau is 376. And it's the same numerical value as shalom. Shalom on your home. The peace of God on your life. So what does this tell us? It means that Esau was convinced that he had nothing missing, nothing broken. I'm walking on water here, folks. I'm entirely at peace with myself in a negative sense. And in reality, that's one of the... If you ever do these personality studies, who's ever heard of the type A personality? Every personality has its strong point, but its soft spot. And the type A personality uh, soft spot is that they will never consider that there's something in their lives that they need to change or correct or overcome in the natural. Obviously, if you're a Christian and you have a, you, you, with the mind of God, the mind of Christ, you would realize, oh man, there's a whole lot of changing that needs to happen. But not for Esau, he despised everything spiritual. There's no flaws in my life I need to overcome. There's nothing missing, nothing broke. What are you talking about? And this seems to be what people want to teach nowadays in the education system. Right? There's a secular humanist position. And it's anti-Christ position that's opposed to God's position. And how many of you have ever heard the term situational ethics? Whatever situation I'm in, whatever I decide to do, it must be right. Esau. They despise God's wisdom and they're supplanting God's wisdom for worldly devilish wisdom. 
Whoever is hurt, if it feels good, yeah, motto of today, right? It's my life. Don't judge me for what I do or how I act. It can't be wrong. I decided. Esau. I was born this way. My answer is, yeah, you were born that way to correct that. That was, that was the cross that you need to pick up daily to try to correct that bad habit, that character flaw. And that's why if, if you, I was born this way. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. <laughs> I was born that way. Be born again. So Rivka understands this more than anybody. And so she hatches her own plan. And this plan means that they're going to take the blessing that uh, uh, is due the firstborn, is due to Esau, and make sure it goes uh, to Jacob. If only husband and wife would have trusted one another to talk about it. Sometimes you just need, you need to talk about it with a referee. All right? You just need, okay. Can we just agree that this is uh, the final authority? Now, with the mind of Christ, can we rightly divide the word of truth? It's not who's right, it's what's right. Can we agree on that? See, this is why internet dating can be such a problem. Right? How do you get to know somebody who hides behind a personal profile that they construct that hides all their flaws and you never get to know them and that person is really the true person is locked up in a closet somewhere and never comes out until we hear the words, I do. Did I say this wasn't a marriage counseling <laughs> So one has to wonder if, if Isaac is actually blind to all of this. Isaac was physically blind at this point, right? His vision had dimmed. He couldn't see very good. Was he totally blind or almost? He was all, because when, when Rivka sends Jacob in to get the blessing, he put that hairy garment. And, uh, the voice is Jacob, but it, it, it seems like Esau. There's enough reason to believe that even though Isaac was deceived, he was not blind to the nature of his two sons. He loved Esau. The Bible clearly says Isaac loves Esau, Rebekah loves Jacob. But I doubt that this blinded him to the fact that Jacob would one day uh, carry on the mission of the, uh, the covenant. And here's where it's just kind of an update from Hanna-Barbera. What, what gets lost is that even though it appears on the surface that neither parent could agree on who's going to get the blessing of the firstborn, Isaac actually has two blessings. And this is what gets lost. He has two sets of blessings. Now how can he have two sets of blessings? Because Abraham had two sets of blessings. He had a blessing for Isaac and he had a blessing for Ishmael. Abraham loved both of his sons and Isaac loves both of his sons. How could Isaac love Esau? Well, maybe after being uh, written, uh, I mean, we don't have time to go through all of this, but uh, if, if, if you're going to the altar and you're going to be sacrificed on the altar, I mean, that's a near-death experience. And even though Isaac didn't die, something within him that day had to have died. And then right after that, his mom dies, but there's no record in the Torah of him mourning. 
And then Abraham sends for uh, Eleazar to find him a wife, but there's no record that says Isaac wanted to be married. So he's being written out of all of the things that are happening here, and all of a sudden you realize this had to create some empathy for Isaac. I watch Ishmael get sent away. I'm conflicted on what all that... All these different things start stacking up and you realize, man, this had to have some kind of impact on Isaac, which means that he was very gracious and lenient to Esau because he went through a whole heck of a lot and built up a sense of empathy. When you go through stuff and God allows you to go through some stuff, Hopefully on the other side and you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and come out on the other side. Hopefully you will come out with some empathy. Please God, don't let me live my whole Christian life being grumpy and grouchy and irritable and angry over everything. That's not the spirit that God wants created. So what do I have to do? I have to be like Jacob. I've got to get into the tents of Torah study. And I've got to do whatever I've got to do to get the mind of God in my... i got the mind of God working in me. Help me have the mind of God. Which is loveliness, joyfulness, peacefulness, patience, and all of these fruits of the Spirit. So Rivka, Rebecca, Yitzhak, Jacob, they they make a big mistake. It's a forgivable mistake. It's an understandable mistake. But it's a big mistake because it led to a family split. And the mistake that they made is that they only thought Isaac had one blessing. This is the mistake that Christians make when they're jealous about somebody getting a blessing. As if there's not enough to go around. The government would have you believe there's not enough to go around. But in Abraham's world, there is an unlimited blessing. El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, has enough blessing for everybody. But there's only so much oil in the ground. You don't know that. Stop singing that old Tower of Power song. There's only so much oil in the ground. No. There's enough for everybody. And it's not up to the government to dictate the winners and the losers. I don't serve Jehovah Washington. I serve Jehovah Jireh and El Shaddai. And he said, Abraham, look up into the stars in the sky. Look at the sands on the sea, the grains of sand. This is how much I have. An unlimited supply for you and all your descendants. Yeah. So, Isaac obviously has consulted with Abraham. He understood, well, yeah, Isaac, I gave you the the blessing uh, as the son of the covenant, but I also blessed Ishmael. And in fact, at Abraham's death, you see Isaac and Ishmael coming back together at the funeral. Well, I thought Isaac or Ishmael was banished for all time. Him and Hagar, they're bolting. Write them out of history. And yet here they are. Right? At the very end. It's symbolic of the last days. The sons of Abraham will come back together. That'll be interesting to see how this all works out. Right? But Isaac now sees that I'm in a similar predicament that my dad was in between me and Ishmael. And so... Just as Abraham loved them both, Isaac loves them both. And he each had a purpose under heaven. So Isaac sends Esau out to hunt for his favorite meal just before giving him the family blessing. And Rivka goes into, I can't have this. 
And Genesis 27 says in verse 22, Yaakov approached Yitzhak, his father, who touched him and said, The voice is Yaakov's voice, but the hands are Esau's hands. However, he didn't detect him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau, so he gave him his blessing. But was it the blessing of Abraham? Now the first blessing that, that was given is in Genesis 27, 28. May God give you dew from heaven. He's speaking this as if he's speaking it over Esau. But it's really Jacob. The richness of the earth, grain and wine in abundance. May people serve you and nations bow down to you. May you lord over your kinsmen. Let your mother's descendants bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you. And blessed be everyone who blesses you. What the rabbis point out is this blessing, the first one, speaks of wealth and power, but doesn't mention much about a spiritual mission. Doesn't mention anything about the land of Israel. Because it's an entirely different blessing. Isaac, was he blind? Or I know it's, you know, I might not be able to, but I'm, look, I'm not dumb here, I'm your daddy. <laughs> It's a great blessing, but it doesn't have a spiritual mandate. So after the plot unfolds and Esau figures out what's going on here, he goes to Isaac and begs for a blessing. And this is the second blessing in, in verse 38, Genesis 27, 38. Esau said to his father, have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me too. And he wept out loud. I was telling this to Lydia this morning. I said, how many uh, people that know the Lord, that have been going to church, but have been playing religious games, are going to weep out loud when they realize they're missing out on the blessing? What could I have done with my life had I not been so consumed with chasing wealth instead of chasing Jesus? You can do both, but one needs to be the higher priority. All right. Esau wept out loud, and Yitzhak, his father, answered him, Here, your home will be of richness of the earth, the dew of the heaven from above. You will live by your sword, and you will serve your brother, but when you break loose, you will shake off the yoke off your neck. So this uh, is a variation of the first blessing. It was always meant for Esau. And it was based on material wealth and power. In the second version, you'll notice it says, He will shake off his brother's yoke. Remember what we were talking about? There's two nations in your womb. Rivka, Rebekah. This yoke that Esau will shake off, just in my belief, is the yoke of the Torah. The yoke of spiritual leadership that will come out of Jerusalem. It's because Esau is Edom, Edom is Rome, and Rome is Christianity, and Christianity for all these centuries has shaken off the yoke of Judaism. What do I have to do with the? We have the same DNA. We're from the same father and mother. So anyways, as we wrap this up, I'm going a little long. It's, it's only the third rendition of the blessing that Isaac actually gives the blessing of Abraham. And that he gives and speaks over Jacob. May El Shaddai bless you, make you fruitful and increase your descendants until they become a whole assembly of peoples. And may He give you the blessing which He gave Abraham and you and your descendants with you so that you will possess the land you will travel through, the land God gave to Abraham. That was the blessing Isaac had always intended to give to Jacob. And it's different than what he gave to Esau. Some rabbis teach that kind of like um, uh, Zebulon and Issachar. 
two of the twelve sons, uh, Issachar, remember the scripture that said that the sons of Issachar have discernment and are wiser because they discern the times. of. They were the Torah studiers. And it says that in ancient Jewish wisdom that Zebulon were the business people. They were the business tribe. They were the seafarer tribe. And that they made a pledge to Issachar, you study Torah and we will go out as kings and do business and fund you while you keep us on the right track spiritually. We will use our ability to gain wealth and power to bless the Torah studiers. And that's what Isaac saw. He saw Esau as using his power and personality to acquire wealth to use to support Jacob so the mission could be accomplished. Pretty interesting, huh? So in reality, Isaac and Rivka had uh, 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 some uh, meaningful discussions about what we're going to do to save the family mission and the spiritual destiny, but uh, uh, not Isaac, uh, Jacob and Rivka, but had Rivka had those discussions with Isaac, there could have been a way to avoid all the heartbreak, all the deceit, all the dishonesty. In the end, Jacob gets both blessings. The spiritual and the material. And it's a double blessing that the Jews have enjoyed to this day. Yeah? But if you think about it, Jacob has to wrestle later on in his story. He has to wrestle with what manner of man he's become in Laban's household. And in in effect, both blessings have manifested in Jacob's life. And he's wrestling before he resumes the spiritual mission. Which one of these blessings is going to be the dominant? Which one am I going to serve and make top priority? Chasing money or chasing God? I can do both, but one needs to be bigger than the other. And so he's wrestled with that. And if you think about it, Israel's kind of wrestling with that right now. Because Israel, with all the good that it, you know, the, the spiritual voice in Israel isn't all that powerful. There's a lot of secular stuff going on in Israel that isn't necessarily wrong. Some of it is. Like in Tel Aviv, they, uh, Tel Aviv has the biggest LBGTQRSTWXYZ movement you could imagine. So there's this wrestling match. What kind of philosophy, religious philosophy, are we going uh, to follow? So, at the end of the day, it all works itself out, and we'll see this in Torah studies to come. But uh, let's just wrap it up right now by saying that you and I are playing an important role in helping all of uh, this end-time prophecy between Jews and Christians, between the reconciliation, between the Jacobs and the e- come back together and be reconciled. The two shall become one. So, well done with that in your prayers and your giving and your support we thank you for that amen amen Amen. we'll give the lord a praise god bless you have a great day in church